Hi, this is Jim Kuzis, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Jim Kuzis, and I spend about half my time, David, on the road speaking. I just got back from Boston at a, at a large conference association meeting where I spoke, and then I spend another 50% of my time writing. Uh, I uh, transitioned to that role 10 years ago after running a company for a dozen years and finally decided I would sell my interest and just uh, go out and do writing and speaking only rather than also run uh, a consulting and training firm. And prior to that, I spent about 17 years at three, at, uh, three different universities running executive programs for business schools and for school of uh, social work and health science. You are, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on, on the podcast. You along Thank with you. Barry Posner, uh, you guys have together written uh, the Leadership Challenge, which in, in my mind is, is the quintessential, if I can only give people one recommendation book to read on leadership, it is that one. Um, because it highlights a, a thing that you guys refer to as the five practices of exemplary leadership. Now, since it's the first time either you or Barry are on the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and ask for those that those that live in a cave in regard to leadership and for some reason have found our podcast before uh, the five practices. What are the five practices? The five practices of exemplary leadership, David, are first, model the way. Second, inspire a shared vision. The third is challenge the process. The fourth is called enable others to act. And then the fifth is encouraging the heart. And if I may just describe those briefly. Uh, the first model the way is about uh, being clear about personal values, so clarifying values, personal, uh, your, your personal as well as those of the organization you lead, and setting an example and based on those values. The second is about inspiring a shared vision. It's about both being clear about the long-term vision, we call it envisioning the future, and then communicating that vision in such a way that it inspires others and enlists them in the vision of the future. The, the third practice, challenge the process, is about searching for opportunities to grow and change and innovate and improve and then uh, experimenting and taking risks, sometimes little steps, sometimes big ones, but often ones that don't always work out. You make mistakes, so you have to learn from the experiences. The fourth practice, enabling others to act, is about strengthening individuals so that they can perform at higher levels. Uh, and then also uh, coll uh, fostering collaboration, getting people to work together based on uh, trust and teamwork. And lastly, although not last in importance, but the fifth in the way we write about it in our books is encourage the heart. Encouraging the heart is, is about both recognizing individual contributions to your vision and values as well as celebrating your community. So those are the five practices that uh, Barry and I have been researching now for uh, nearly 30 years. Uh, and, and that's exactly what I love the most about them is it, it's not just your uh, both sort of ranting on what you believe makes a good leader. It's, it's based on, uh, like you said, over 30 years of research uh, and, and observation. And, and briefly, can you just describe what, what was the method primarily for research you've used for finding these practices? <laughs> Well, when we first started doing our work, uh, Barry and I, we, we had a rather interesting experience, if I can tell you a story. We were, we were um, 
I was directing the Executive Development Center at Santa Clara University, and uh, I had invited Tom Peters, whose book had not yet come out, to speak at Santa Clara University. So his book uh, with Bob Waterman, In Search of Excellence, which in many ways was the the path-breaking, pioneering book uh, that uh, started in many ways the the, the, the movement around uh, excellence in business uh, back in the 80s. And uh, he was coming out with that book, and I knew him from other experiences. And so I asked him if he would speak at one of our executive programs. And so he was so popular, we invited him back, and we had him come for a full day instead of part of a day. And Barry Posner and I we're going to do a second day follow-up, not on organizational excellence, but on individual excellence. And we hadn't developed the methodology yet to do our research, but we decided that what we would do would ask participants before they arrived to write a little case called the Personal Best Leadership Case. And they did that, and we had them break into small groups, and this was about 80 or so people. And we had them tell their stories to each other and then do a summary at the end, and I'm sure many of those listening have participated in an experience like this. And at the end of that, they reported out by posting these sheets of newsprint with their summary comments about what actions they took as leaders during their personal best leadership experiences. And what we found was quite interesting that there were commonalities across these lists. It, it was as if group the a group that was different from the groups whose list was on the sheet could have written that sheet. Each sheet written by these 15 or so groups was very, very similar. So it occurred to us that there must be some commonalities, and that was almost accidentally the methodology that we first began with. We asked people to write personal best cases. In the early part of our research Prior to our book, we gathered uh, about 550 long cases. They were about 12 pages long, and then about 780 short cases on personal best leadership, followed by uh, about 400, uh, excuse me, about 40 face-to-face interviews. Now I've done over 400 face-to-face interviews, and uh, we've since expanded the number of cases to 70,000 written cases. Uh, from that, we developed a leadership practices inventory, a 30-item questionnaire that has now been administered to over 3 million people. Uh, initially, our sample size was smaller than that for the first book, but our current sample size for analysis is 1.1 million in our uh, last two years of data analysis using the leadership practices inventory. So our re- research methodology has been case collection, interviews, and then the leadership practices inventory. Wow, that's a, a 1.1 million. That's a, that's quite a lot of uh, it's quite a large sample size to draw from. It's, it's pretty huge. I don't I, I don't know of anyone else who has something uh, that's been longitudinal that that's uh, that's that large. And it's also David involves 70 different countries, so it's not just U.S. Uh, this model has been validated in China uh, as well as California. Uh, it's been used in Germany and it's been used in uh, in Singapore. So uh, we've we've been fortunate because we've been doing this so long to be able to gather data and validate and, and determine reliability over uh, a, a lot of different countries and cultures. And the new book, uh, The Truth About Leadership, draws from a similar uh, amount of 
experience and, and research and data behind it. What, what led you both to write The Truth About Leadership? Well, we, write, we try to write a new trade book about every three to five years. So when we were uh, at about that point from the last book, uh, The Leader's Legacy, uh, A Leader's Legacy, that we were thinking about writing a new book, uh, we were talking to our editor, and she said, well, I think maybe you ought to do something for younger generation, the emerging leaders, the millennials. And we said, well, that's an interesting idea. Let's do a little research and find out. So we started to investigate leadership uh, practices among millennials and what they needed to learn and what they were interested in and what they, what, what they looked for in a leader. And what we found was that they weren't all that different than their elder brothers and sisters or their parents. Uh, there wasn't a lot of difference between millennials, Xers, and, and boomers which surprised us and a lot of people that there wasn't that much uh, difference across generations. And, in fact, in our other research, we find that that same thing is true, not just for generations, but also for gender, for function, for uh, corporation, for uh, country. Uh, demographics don't matter a lot in terms of explaining leadership behavior. So we did some further research in order to you know, decide what, what it was we were going to do, and we kind of hit on this idea of, of uh, why don't we look back 30 years and uh, determine what was true 30 years ago, what's true today, and what we would say would be true 30 years from now. And so we were exploring that, and I was on a panel with Ken Blanchard and a couple of other colleagues at an association conference, and uh, we were talking about this idea, and I said, I don't know what you call something that's been true, that's been the same for the last 30 years, but, and before I could finish my sentence, Ken Blanchard interrupts and he said, well, I'd call it the truth. Hmm. And that, that, that inspired us to expand on that idea and, and begin to codify the top 10, if you will, truths over the last 30 years about leadership. And that was the origin of that book, and uh, we just came out with it in August of 2010, and are and, uh, really pleased with the response that people have uh, given us. And I think, uh, I think it's important to note, too, that you went from five practices to 10 truths, and I think it's exactly, I was hoping that you would tell the, uh, the Ken Blanchard story. When I read it, the book, I laughed uh, kind of out loud, which is made my wife, who was sitting next to me, uh, think I was a little awkward. But if she hadn't figured that out by now, um, you know, it, it was due time. But I, I love that they described this. this. This is something that 30 years of data, 30 years of case studies, 30 years of uh, personal experiences have, have shown again and again and again. It's, it's, it's almost, you know, there is no other word than, than truth. And yeah. when you said it, the, the book runs as a top 10, very, what I love about it, it's, I am a millennial, and so the book is sort of written for millennials in that it's, Short, shorter, 10 shorter top 10 uh, essays almost on, on leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wonder if you wouldn't mind briefly running over what the 10 uh, truths of leadership are. Sure, be glad to. And, and our, t our five practices really still uh, are there. It's just we've kind of expanded on this notion of, of truth a little bit more instead of, and I can, I'll say, I'll be glad to say more about that, but let me just articulate those those. Ten truths. The first of those is that you matter. You make a difference. Uh, underlying all of what we do, all of what our other colleagues, such, uh, such as Ken Blanchard, 
anyone who's writing about leadership or anyone acting as a leader makes an assumption, and a rather audacious assumption at that, that individuals matter, that you and I and anyone who's listening to this podcast can actually influence somebody else's behavior. We're not preordained. We're not predestined to act in the ways we act. Uh, we get or are influenced by others, by groups, by organizations, and one person can influence one other or a small group or thousands, even millions of individuals by their actions, by their words. And that assumption leads to the first truth, which is that you make a difference. Uh, and, and everything we write about leadership is based on that rather audacious assumption. The second truth is that if you matter, if you can make a difference, uh, why, why would anybody want to follow you in the first place? Uh, and the primary reason for that is that you have personal credibility. Credibility is the foundation of leadership. The third truth is that values drive commitment. Our personal values drive our commitment to what we do in organizations, in the community, at home, in our own lives. The fourth truth is that while values drive our personal credibility, if you will, and our commitment, what differentiates leaders from individual performers is that they focus on the future. Focusing on the future sets leaders apart. The fifth truth is that you can't do it alone. No leader ever got anything done by him or herself acting alone. The sixth truth is that uh, trust rules. Trust rules your personal credibility. Trust rules teamwork. Trust rules innovation. Trust rules brand image. Trust rules just about anything we do in life. And the seventh truth is that challenge is the crucible for leadership. Leaders who overcome challenge, adversity, difficulty are much more highly regarded than individuals who simply lead in good times. It is, as one of the people we interviewed said, adversity introduces us to ourselves. The eighth truth is that you either lead by example or you don't lead at all. You have to not only have good words to say, vision and values, but you also need to manifest those in your own behavior. You need to be a good example to others. You need to align your actions with your words. The ninth truth is that the best leaders are the best learners. Uh, one of the things that we always get asked is, uh, can you learn to lead? Is leadership born or made? And we tell people we've never met a leader who wasn't born. <laughs> We're all born. <laughs> it's, it's what you do with what you have before you die that counts. So can you learn to be better than you are today? And we find that those leaders who are the most effective say yes to that question. They are the ones who engage more frequently in learning. And the tenth truth, and not necessarily the last again in order, or perhaps not the last of all of the truths about leadership, but the last one that we write about, is that leadership is an affair of the heart. Uh, leaders who are more passionate, who are more caring, who are more encouraging, are much more effective than leaders who are negative, leaders who uh, do not have their heart in what they are doing. So those are the 10 truths that uh, emerge from our analysis of 30 years of data. 
And you can see the overlap between the five practices and the ten truths. You know, yeah. the, the truth about leading by example is right on model the way. But talk a little yeah. bit more about that overlap between practices and truths. Well, the truths are similar to, to fundamental principles, in, in some respect, governing laws. So uh, trust, for example, shows up when we're talking about credibility. It shows up when we're talking about uh, setting an example. For example, people tend to trust more those who go first, who, who do what they say they will do. Uh, trust is part of uh, working together with other people. So the the truth about trust we is woven through many of the other uh, many of the five practices similarly with the others uh and so the truths tend to be the principles that govern actions and and the practices are the actions that leaders take so that tends to be how we differentiate and five practices emerged from the case analysis and the uh interviews that we did the later validated by the LPI uh, whereas the truths tend to uh, weave themselves through one or more of the practices. And, uh, and I'm curious, I, I've got to ask you this question. I was thinking about this. Uh, every, every time I read either the Leadership Challenge or this new book, you know, it, it all stemmed from this idea of asking people what their personal best leadership story is. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to ask you, what's the best answer you've ever heard to the personal best leadership story? Oh, She's out of uh, 70,000 personal bests. That's a tough one. I, I keep getting expi- inspired by uh, many stories each time. I, a, a recent one comes to mind, and we wrote about this in the Leadership Challenge. I, I actually, two, excuse me, in the Truth About Leadership, two of them uh, come to mind, in fact, and they're both about women, and uh, one begins the book and the other one ends it. Uh, the, the one we open with is a story of Melissa Poe, who at eight years old uh, began her own leadership experience at eight years old, wanting to do something about the environment in which uh, she lived. And we decided that we told, we, we, we reported her story in the second and, and third editions of the Leadership Challenge. And so 20 years later, we were writing this book, uh, and we dis- the truth about leadership, and we decided to follow up with her. And indeed, what we found is that Melissa Poe, who had uh, started Kids Face, Kids for a Clean Environment, 20 years later was awarded by the uh, AAUW, the Association, American Association of University Women and the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators, NASPA, the uh, Women of Distinction Award for 2009 for work that she had begun 20 years prior. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Melissa Poe Hood uh, has demonstrated that it doesn't matter when you start to lead. You know, what matters is that it's about what you do and the actions that you take. And the second story, which closes the truth about leadership, is a story I came across uh, through uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, believe it or not, um, of Ivana Sendesha uh, from Slovakia. And I learned about her and subsequently followed up and, and using uh, Skype and using uh, Facebook and uh, email and then uh, Skype and phone calls. We, we, we learned more about each other and learned about her story of starting an organization of emerging leaders in Slovakia uh, based on 
an incident in her own life where uh, essentially she was told she couldn't do it, and she was determined that she could, and began an organization uh, to develop and train young leaders, the next generation of leaders in Slovakia. Those two stories are just uh, examples of how leadership is not about your position. Leadership is not about your age. Leadership is not about your country of origin, not about your generation, but it is about what you do and the actions that you take. Uh, so there are so many that it would be hard to identify any single one individual uh, that we would say this is the best one, but more likely this is the current one that intrigues me the most. Uh, well, a, a safe diplomatic answer, but a, a great story nonetheless about uh, the founding of Kids Face and also just the ways that leadership, I mean, we tend to be fairly biased in the United States, but leadership uh, development is everywhere, including Slovakia. And, and it's amazing to me how tools like LinkedIn and Facebook uh, turn into how, which is actually how we met, but turn into how you can find all of these incredible stories of leadership you never would have been exposed to. That's exactly right. When we were gathering stories before, uh, this was before there was Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, the other social media. We were out on the road flying into places and interviewing people or or getting to know them through our uh, university classes or being out in corporations. Uh, now we have this new medium which helps us to be introduced to a lot more people. And it, it's just evidence, David, of how much leadership there is out there. Uh, people often you know, say, well, we don't have enough leaders in the world. And I say, oh, contraire, we have, we have many more leaders than we could possibly even imagine. It's just that we don't really know about them because uh, we think of leadership as something that's above us, not that's, uh, that, that we're doing or that our peers are doing or, you know, people who are in uh, universities or in high schools or in our local communities. And we have to remember the leadership starts with a small L, not a capital L. And that it's uh, leader, leadership really is, is uh, everyone's business. Uh, absolutely. And, and as we get more and more connected, I think going back to those fundamental things that existed before there was Facebook, before heck, before there was even an Internet, uh, those are the things that matter in leadership. Those are uh, the truth about leadership. And if, if you want to know more about that, pick up a copy of The Truth About Leadership. But, Jim, I'm curious, what, what have you picked up recently? What are you reading? Well, right now I happen to be reading Warren Bennis's new memoir, uh, Still Surprised. It's just come out, and Warren uh, has a special place in my heart because he was uh, one of the first individuals to support the Leadership Challenge before it had been written, and he was encouraging to me and to Barry. He's been a colleague for years, and uh, he just came out with a new memoir and um, signed a copy and sent it to me just the other day, and I'm, I'm uh, delighted to be reading that. Uh, Warren is one of those rare individuals who's a scholar on leadership as well as someone who's been involved in leading himself and has the personal experience uh, from, uh, from his own leading that informs the writing that he does and the research that he does. Um, I've just uh, finished The Dragonfly Effect by Jennifer Acker and Andy Smith, which is about social media and how social media can promote social change. Uh, another similar book by Charlene Lee called Open Leadership, which is about the impact of social media on 
leadership and how it's making it more open. Uh, Bob Sutton's new book called Good Boss, Bad Boss, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. It's also on my desk. And I'm, I'm waiting to read uh, John Le Carre's Our Kind of Traitor, <laughs> my, uh, non, my, my fiction reading that's uh, on my desk, wait, waiting for a next airplane ride. Uh, yeah, no, precisely. That that is it's typically when I'm able to uh, get into those. Uh, uh, it's sad. I call them escape novels, but in reality, mm-hmm. they're they tie it back to to real life just as much as any of the nonfiction uh, works that I read as well. Mm-hmm. And that uh, you will, if you haven't read it yet, you will enjoy Good Boss, Bad Boss, and Multipliers. Both both uh, Liz and Bob have been on the podcast before. They're phenomenal books and and great authors, mind. They are. They're very good. They're very. They both have a lot of good information in those books. Well worth reading. Absolutely. How, how about yourself? What's next for you? I, I obviously know you're promoting the truth about leadership, but what's on the horizon? David, right now we're, we, Barry and I, are working on the second edition of Credibility. First edition came out in 1993, uh, and now in 2011 we'll be coming out with a, a new updated, all new cases, uh, new research on credibility. Uh, and then immediately when we finish that, which will be in about two weeks, uh, Barry and I will be starting on the fifth edition of the Leadership Challenge. Uh, in 2012, it will be the 25th anniversary of the Leadership Challenge, and so we are going to come out with a silver anniversary edition in 2012 of the Leadership Challenge. So those are our next two big projects. Uh, one's almost done, and, and a book will come out in 2011. And uh, the one to follow that be 2012. Oh wow! Well, well, fantastic. We uh, we'll keep an eye on those in the horizon. But in the meantime, uh, we'll definitely be sure to link and, and uh, on the site and let people know about the truth about leadership because I I think you're absolutely right. It informs it all. Everything everything that I've seen from your work is encapsulated, or at least I can find the truth about leadership underlying it. So we'll be we'll be more importantly we'll be looking out and encouraging people to check out that one before. Uh, before they sit around and wait for the leadership challenge again. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. It's been a it, it's been a fun book to write and to uh, talk about, uh, and it's it, and I think people will find it a pretty easy read. It's one of those things. If you're taking a uh, couple hour plane ride, you can probably finish the book uh, and on that round trip plane ride, uh, or uh, or read it uh, one chapter at a time. Uh, the chapters are independent of each other, and you don't have to start at the beginning, so hopefully people will find it a useful book. Thank you for your very kind words about it. Oh, absolutely. It's a it's a great read, and uh, we sure have every, encourage everybody to pick up a copy of The Truth About Leadership. Jim, thank you so much for joining us in the Leader Lab. David, it's been a, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. 